0: Okay. How many of you grew up with lots of cornfields, lots of bean fields? Yeah. How many of you in the room? Good morning, by the way. How many, how many, how many of you? I'm just so excited to get started. I got lots of ground to cover. Um, any farmers in the room, anybody in the room that's a farmer? Awesome. Awesome. How about like planted like 150 acres of corn or beans or more? Anybody done that? That's awesome, really? You have multi-talents, don't you? Okay. Um, Who in the room has had like a family garden? You've planted tomatoes or something? Okay, some of you aren't raising your hands. Who in the room has never planted anything? Really? Really? Have you pulled any weeds in your life? Man. All right. Well, um... I grew up in Indiana, and what do you see for miles and miles and miles? Corn, beans. Um, my family had huge family gardens. One grandparent had an acre, and the other had a half acre. And I did the half acre on the rotor tiller. You know, it was three hours on the rotor tiller. You get off the rotor tiller, and you're still doing this for the next three hours. Uh, it, it was amazing. All right. So, Paul. The Apostle Paul uses an agriculture uh, illustration, and I want to show you that right off the bat. From 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Let's read this together, all right? Here we go. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, we get this. I think all of us in the room kind of understand this agricultural illustration. If you sow corn, you're not going to get apples, right? If you sow beans, you're going to get beans. Everybody in the room understands this. And so Paul says, you reap what you sow. Say that with me. You reap what you sow. And we understand that, don't we? Everybody in the room kind of gets this. Um, We understand this, you know, with our money. If we sow well, and we have a 401k, and for the 401k to grow, we have to sow into it. If we're going to have friends, if you want to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Uh, We understand this even with smiles. You know, you ever try to make somebody smile, and they they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice like all the time? There was a guy at Publix, he worked at Publix, and my, for two years, I, it was my goal to get the guy to smile. And he just looked like he was just unhappy every day, he had to be. Finally, I got him to smile after two years, then I think he got fired, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was my, trying to get him to smile, I don't know. But anyway, you reap what you sow, I, I think we understand that. Um, if you're single... And you sow really good decisions, you're going to reap really good benefits. If you sow bad choices, you're going to reap really bad benefits, aren't you? Everybody who's married understands this. I'm not trying to be funny, but everybody who's married gets this. The quality of your marriage depends greatly on how well you have sown in it. If you've been married for two years or more, you begin to realize that the quality of your marriage is based directly on how well you have sown into it. So I I think everybody gets that verse. You reap what you sow. Now, let me ratchet this up just a little bit more. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you also reap more than what you have sown. Right? You, You reap what you sow, but you always, always, always reap a whole lot more than what you've sown. So for instance you've got an ear of corn, and an ear of corn all starts from one seed, and so the one seed goes into the ground, the farmer plants the seed, the seed hopefully germinates, it sprouts, it has a stalk, and from that, that one seed, you get at least one, at least two, and sometimes three ears of corn, farmers, right? You get at least two, sometimes three ears of corn off of one seed, so now you've got three ears of corn, this is amazing. Somebody actually took a bite out of this one. Who, between first and second service, I, some, some idiot took a bite out of this piece of corn. All right, I won't use that one. I kid you not. They're fired. Um, so, so one seed can produce three ears of corn. Now here's what's amazing. You reap what you sow, but you also reap more than what you've sown. One ear of corn, that one doesn't, but the other three have 800 seeds on them. One seed produces a stock of at least, so now three times, here's 2,400 potential seeds from one seed of corn. That's amazing, isn't it? You you reap what you've sown, but you always reap more than what you've sown. It's exactly the same with your 401k, at the end of 25 years, your 401k is worth $400,000 or $500,000. How much did you actually put into it? Oh, well, you put thirty dollars or $35,000 into it. So you, you have put this principle, but now interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Principle now has made this grown exponentially. You reap what you've sown, but you always reap more than what you have sown. And so when Paul has this thing about, reaping and sowing it fits so well with our alignment series because as a church we want to be aligned with sowing well and we want to reap well As a church, a group of of all of us believers, we don't want to sow poorly. We don't want to sow badly. We want to sow the right seeds so we can reap the right harvest for the king. He's the ultimate farmer who has this incredible harvest in store for his church. Now, the context for this uh, little verse of Paul is absolutely amazing. The context is a famine in Jerusalem. There is a drought. There is a huge drought in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the mother church, and now the mother church is in trouble. The mother church has planted all these other churches in Asia Minor, and these other, other little churches now, these sister churches, these baby churches, are now asked to help take up a collection. There is a collection that needs to be taken up for the mother church. Danae and I were in Israel just a couple weeks ago, and they're now in a seven-year drought, seven years of not enough rainfall. And so I don't know how many years it hadn't rained there in in Jerusalem in the first century, but the problem is Paul is saying the mother church is in trouble, and now there's about 100,000 good people who are homeless, without food, without jobs, no economy in Jerusalem. And so he's asking all these other churches to take up a collection so that the mother church can survive and have a a witness. The mother church can now make a difference in the lives of of all these people. So here's my goal today. My goal today is not to get you to give more. So take a deep breath. Ah, good. Okay. We've already had the offering there's no big signups. There's no big building pro- project we're going to restart yet. Um, it w- it'll be soon. But, but th- that's not my goal today. My goal today is not to get you to give more. Here's my goal. My goal is to get you to become a giver. Big difference. Big difference. People can give and not be givers. And so every one of us in this room, we fall into one of three categories. We're a taker, we give, or we're a giver. Let me say that again. Every one of us, we fall into one of three categories. We're a taker. George Barna, George Barna, and the Barna research says four out of ten Americans don't give anything to anybody anytime. Four out of ten Americans don't give anything to anybody anytime. They have become what's known as takers. Now, why would someone become a taker? Because life's about me. Life's all about me. I think life's about my happiness. I think life's about my, my satisfaction. Life, and, and a taker has not faced his or her mortality. A taker's trying to be happy by taking, and it never works. Takers are the most miserable people you and will ever experience, right? So there are takers. And now, if you're not a taker, but you give money, love, encouragement, hope, support, there's all kinds of ways to give. That, that's good. That's good. But what you really want to do is you want to become over here to become a giver. Why? Because that's when you're most like God. That's the nature of God. God, 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 God's not just giving. I'm going to give a few little blessings. I'm not going to give too many. I gave her one last week. I'm not going to give her one this week. I don't think, you know, he doesn't deserve that. Well, God's over here. Now, let me illustrate this by my two grandmothers. I thought about this long and hard, but they're both dead, so I'm going to tell you this story, okay? (laughs) So. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. One set of grandparents was a mile south. One set of grandparents was a mile east. And and I had a great life with my grandparents. I I loved my grandparents. And both of these grandmothers are wonderful. We're wonderful. We're we're great to me. Both of them, both of them wrote checks to the church. Both of them would give, but only one was really a giver. There's a big difference. The one that was a giver, she could not wait for you to come over and she wanted to give, give, give. She lived to be 93 years old. She was so happy. You'd be around her and that this woman, she like did her own garden till she was 89 years old. But, but if you came, and let's say, let's say Kent and Jane, Kent, Kent's one of my prayer partners, let's, let's say Kent and Jane and I visited my grandmother. They'd never met her, she'd never met them, my grandmother would beg them to stay for lunch. 10 o'clock in the morning, she doesn't care, she's begging them to stay for lunch. Do you want a glass of tea? Do you, do you want a glass of lemonade? And Kent's polite, and Kent would say no, he'd be, he'd be drinking four glasses of lemonade before he got out of her house, I guarantee it. And before he, he and Jane left, they would be putting things in Jane's purse. Hey, how about some jam? Do you like homemade jam? Do you like homemade jelly? And, and they would walk out of here carrying a bunch of crap. Can't say crap. Carrying a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm in <at> church, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me, will you? They'd be, they'd be carrying a bunch of stuff out of the house from my grandmother. Now, she was middle class. The other grandmother was wealthy, very wealthy, she wrote checks. They both wrote checks. Did you get it? You see, and this grandmother wasn't always happy. <laughs> A little tight. I did this last year, did this. But this grandmother, she, she could care less how much she gave away. And she wasn't keeping score, she wasn't writing it down. This grandmother, she couldn't wait. You see, giving is not something we do. Look at this. Maybe. <laughs> giving is not something... You're not going to give it to me, are you? Giving, gi- giving is... Did you take the bite out of it? Just kidding. G- giving is not something we do. Giving is something that we are. Do, do you see the difference? Uh, now, if you're a taker over here, my goal today... If you're a taker, if you're one of the four Americans that you don't give anything to anybody at any time, I, I'm going to do everything I can to, to move the needle. I'm going to do everything I can to persuade you to at least come over to here and start giving. Start giving hope. Start giving encouragement. Start giving love. Start, I, but, but I'm really trying to push you over here. I really am. I really want you to push you over here giving is not something we do, but it's something that, that, that we are. Now, to make progress, though, it, it requires decisions. For you and I to ever grow, progress always requires a decision. And so you've got to make a decision this morning if you want to move the needle a little bit to the right. And so it, it requires decisions. And so I can make a decision about something, but if I don't have the right action steps, I may not know how to get there. I, make a, I may make a decision to do something, but, I, but if I'm not sure how to do it, so, so I need some help. And so I want to give us now 10 steps, 10 steps that I think will help you and will help me to be able to, to make some decisions and then some action steps that we can put in place. So here's the very first one. Okay. First one is, is the, first of all, you decide I'm not going to be a taker. I'm not going to be one of those four out of ten Americans. And and what giving says, giving says that life's not about you, and and that's the negative side. The positive side of giving is giving says I'm going to surrender to a greater person, to a greater agenda. That's really what giving is. I, I, I believe that there's a greater person than me, and I believe there's a greater agenda than my agenda. And you see, if you're a taker this morning, life's about you, and life's about your agenda. And I know after 33 years of doing this, that is a dead end, all right? So, so first of all, you, you, you give. Second of all, then, you give a little generously. He said, he said earlier, each one should learn to give. Now he says you, you do this not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, you ever been with somebody who gave you something and then after they gave it to you, you're not really sure they wanted to give it to you in the first place? It's like they, they gave it to you, but I think they were almost hoping that you'd say no. Right? Oh, man, she took it. Darn. I offered her a ring and she took it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just... But But this is so this is a step this is a step where you learn so i'm i'm well you know i bought lunch last time i hope he picks up the tab that's not what this is about it's about giving without generously so is that a step for you is that a step for you to learn to give generously number three you give deliberately now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your complete here's what's funny about the Corinthian church they were takers and what Paul was trying to say to them is all these other churches in Macedonia they are not nearly as wealthy as you are you're a rich church the corinthians were very wealthy people you're a rich church but but you guys aren't stepping up to the plate so, so you learn to, to give deliberately. Another way of putting this is, is, is you become a percentage giver. I think I think this makes it a whole lot easier that you choose a percentage of your income. I think you start with ten percent. That's me. I've done that since sixteen. Danny and I have done that for the last thirty years. But but you choose a percentage, and it becomes deliberate. That's with finances. What about being deliberate with encouragement? that maybe once a day you're going to send an email or once a day you're going to write a note. What about, what about being deliberate about selling hope? What, what about being deliberate about, about sharing just you know, the love of Christ? You, you become deliberate. Number four, or whatever we're at, give proportionately. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money, in keeping with your income, save it so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This, what Paul's talking about, is not your Sunday church offerings. He's talking about a big deal. This is one of the first few places in Scripture where this is like this is a major problem. The mother church is going down. The mother church has an opportunity. There's hundred thousand homeless people in Jerusalem. You Corinthians, save it up. And he's gonna send about four different men to come collect it. And these guys are coming to collect it and they're gonna take the collection back to Jerusalem. So you give proportionally. Look at the next one. You give sacrificially. Now this doesn't happen very often. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. He's saying, Corinthians, all these other churches around you, they're not, they don't have nearly as much money as you do, but they're not a taker. They're givers. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability. You know, giving sacrificially doesn't come up that often. Maybe in your church it did. <laughs> Maybe you grew up where it was a crisis every week, but this is not about you giving more money. You see, giving sacrificially comes up when there's like a major opportunity or maybe there's a major problem. And so maybe even in your own family, you should be saving some things up. Maybe even in your own, bless somebody over there, good heavens. Maybe even in your own budget, you should be a little more cautious and careful so that when that comes, you can you can give sacrificially those opportunities, even within your own home and your own family. Look at the next one. Paul says to give excellently. Again, they did everything well except give. Look at this. But since you excel in everything, you, you Corinthians excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And and they didn't do this. They, they did not do this well. Look at the next one. It's called Give Cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. Um, those are the happiest people I know. Those are the people that don't keep score. Those are the people that seem to have more... Op- see, I, I, I think giving, it, it's not that there's an opportunity, it's givers look for an opportunity. G- givers are on the look for an opportunity to love, to share, to sacrifice, to serve. Givers are always looking for opportunities. They they give cheerfully. And then here's the key to it all, though, is you give worshipfully. See, it says, and they exceeded our expectations. In other words, Paul's saying, all these other Macedonian churches, except the Corinthians, all the other ones, They exceeded our expectations. How did they do it? They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. This is what you want to do. If you've not paid attention so far, this is the key. This is how it works. Whether you're 12 or you're 102 in the room, this is the key. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. And then chapter 9, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, he says, Paul says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This gift of God is like just too good to be true. And so what do you do? You first give your life to Christ. You first give your life to the Lord. And then the Lord starts giving through you. Look at the list again. What step do you need to take? If you're over here and you're a taker and you don't really give any love, you don't really give any encouragement, you don't really give any hope, you don't really give any money, you don't really give any of your time, you don't really give any of your talent, it's not going to end well for you. But see, I, I get it. I know why you're doing it. You're doing that to make yourself feel better. Because you think if you can take more and have more and hoard more and get more, at the end of the life, you're going to feel better. I know why you're doing it. But it's it's a deception. It doesn't work. You're deceiving yourself. This life of a taker, it's a dead-end street. Maybe you're over here. Maybe you're giving. And that's good. That's good. You know, once a week, you, you write somebody an email once a week, you, you see somebody's not feeling good and you, hey, how, how, how are you doing? Maybe you sell a little hope even once a week. That's good. Maybe you write a check once a week. Maybe you, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I think I personally am somewhere between this and the, I'm about halfway over here. I'm not fully there yet myself. Okay. But, but over here, these people are free. These people live to make a difference. So, so on, on those eight, if, if you're a taker, just, just start with number one. Just, that's a decision. That's an action step for you today. I just need to start giving. But which of those other seven is your step this week, this month, this year? Where, where do, do you need to start giving deliberately? You know, I I need to be a little bit more deliberate about my encouragement to other people. You know, I've I've never really made a sacrifice. I don't feel good right now. I don't things aren't going great, but I know they've got it worse off than I do. I'm gonna go over to their house, I'm gonna sit down with them, I'm gonna pray with them. I don't feel like praying with them, I don't feel like going over there, but I'm I'm gonna give up my night tonight. I'm gonna go over there and make a difference in his his life. I'm gonna give sacrificially. I'm gonna give cheerfully. I'm gonna give you an assignment in just a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn to give generously. Have you given before, but you've never given generously? Is it always tight? It's one grandmother, man. She was calculated, boy. She had numbers and figures. She was just tight. She'd give. She was tight. I could see that as a boy. I could see that. I go, she's not free. She's not free. Do you need to give proportionally? What does that mean proportionally? That means everybody can give. Let's just use money, for example. If you make $8,000, you give proportionally. If you make $80,000, you give proportionally. If you make $800,000, you give proportionally. 10% is the same proportion no matter what your income is. Everybody can do that. You give excellently. I think that means the first fruits. I think the first check, I think the first opportunity of the day how can we bless somebody's life but they gave worshipfully they gave worshipfully which means they gave themselves first to the lord and then the lord jesus lived through them all right here's your assignment i want to give everybody two assignments this week and i thought through this and you may not like the first one but don't send me an email Okay. I don't have time for that. The first one is, I want you to bypass a giving opportunity. I want you this week, Monday or Tuesday, there's a, there's a giving opportunity that's right there in front. It's a softball right in front of you. I want you to bypass it. I want you to bypass it and ignore it. I want you to ignore it and not do it. Now, if it's the Holy Spirit going ding, 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 you know, do, do it, okay? But I'm saying if it's a little questionable and you're not really sure. And, and I want you to ignore it. I want you to ignore a giving opportunity and then write it down. Write down how you felt. And let this seep deeply within your soul. I had a given opportunity. I could have sold some hope. They needed some hope. I could have done it. I didn't do it. Write down how you felt. I could have. I could have encouraged her It'd taken about five minutes. I would have had to go out. And and don't do it. You say, my preacher's crazy. No, I I want you to learn something. I want you to feel what that feels like when you know that you had an opportunity in front of you and you you don't do it. Write it down. Write down how you felt. And then, then after that, wait a day or two, and that other giving opportunity is going to come your way, and you do it. And then write down how you felt. How did I feel when I blessed her? How did I feel when I blessed him? How did I feel? And I guarantee you, this feeling will be dwarfed by this feeling. The ultimate giver was God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I picture it like this. They're having a council meeting. Father, Son, the Spirit got together. Starbucks, somewhere. And they're there in this meeting, and they decide that the Son, who helped create the 100 billion galaxies that we can see, and maybe 500 billion galaxies that we can't even see with the Hubble Telescope, The son is going to leave the comfort of heaven. He's going to come as a fetus inside the womb of a peasant girl named Mary. And for nine months, the creator of the world is being created and formed inside this womb. And then he's born outside of his hometown not even in his own room he's born in bethlehem in a borrowed stall and laid in a feed trough the smell of manure pungent in the air and the first guests come see him wasn't the royalty of rome wasn't caesar augustus wasn't a herod a king it was shepherds just good old working class shepherd boys and they come and they give God glory and honor Jesus grows up becomes a young man takes over the family business we don't hear about Joseph after the age of 12 he became the leader of the family no doubt Jesus is running a small business and at age 30 he becomes an itinerant preacher and he begins going out speaking and teaching and then at 33 he gave his life on a cross yet his blood for you and for me and then he gave us his spirit this is the good part he gave us his spirit to live inside of us and the spirit of god inside of us has a holy agenda for your life has a holy agenda for your plan and he doesn't want you to be over here he's not really want you to be here he wants you to be here so the spirit of god be inside of you and work through you all the days of your life. My friends, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. That's for eternity. But also, he has an agenda for you to has a plan for you today, and the Spirit of God is never going to leave you to be a taker. Spirit of God is not even going to leave you over here to be, to be giving. The Spirit of God is going to lead you to become a giver all the days of your life. So where do you start? Well, I think it requires a decision, and then I think it takes some action steps to move forward. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's step one. I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm gonna ask you to stand up at this time. Step one is to give your life to Christ. If you've never been baptized into Jesus, the end of October, October 26th, we're gonna have another one of our beach baptisms before the water gets cold. But I wanna ask you today, if, if special prayer is what you need, because quite honestly, preacher, I've been a taker most of my life. Pray for that to be broken today. Pray for the bonds and the chains of that to be broken. Or maybe you want to come down and pray with somebody, you know what, I, I really want to, gosh, I really want to get my life to, together. Now here, here's why, look at this last slide. Here's what radical giving does. See, this is why you want to get there. And maybe you need special prayer today to get there. But radical giving demonstrates the life-changing power of God. This is what God's done in my life. This is what God does through me. And then after a while, like my other grandmother, you just give give and give and give and give and give, and you don't even realize you're giving. It's just who you are. Giving's not something you do. Giving becomes somebody that you are. So will you today give your life, maybe the first time to the Lord, and will you give your, your life completely to the Lord today? We worship you, Lord Jesus. You gave us your life, and you gave us your spirit. And we honor you. Today we're thrilled today. May we be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.